0: part three of a guide to the lakes by thomas west this librivox recording is in the public domain coniston lake from ulverston to coniston lake six miles is either by Pennybridge or by lowick excellent carriage road by lowick the road is along a narrow vale beautifully divided by hanging enclosures and scattered farms half way up the mountain sides Whose various heads are covered with heath and brown vegetation. About four miles from Ulverston, you have a distant view of the lake, finely intersected with high-crowned peninsulas. At the upper end, a snow-white house is seen under a hanging wood, and to the north the lake seems to wind round the mountain's feet. The whole range of Coniston fells is now in sight and under them a lower sweep of dark rocks, frown over the crystal surface of the lake. Advancing, on the left see Lowick Hall, once the seat of a family of that name. Behind this a dismal scene of barrenness presents itself, clustered grey rocky mountains, variegated with some few stripes of heath. After crossing the outlet of the lake at Lowick Bridge, these scenes of barrenness are often intercepted by pieces of arable ground, Hanging sweetly to the east and cut into waving enclosures with cottages prettily situated under ancient oaks or venerable yews, the white houses in these parts, covered with blue slate, have a neat appearance. The thatched cot is esteemed a more picturesque object, yet the other seen under a deep green wood or covered by a purple background of heath variegated with grey rocks and evergreens, have a pleasing effect. Reach the south end of the lake. Here it is narrowed by rocky prominences from both sides, forming between their curvatures a variety of pretty bays. The whole length of the lake is about six measured miles, and the greatest breadth about three quarters of a mile. The greatest depth by report exceeds not forty fathom, a little higher The broadest part commences and stretches with small curvatures to Waterhead. The shores are frequently indented, and one pretty bay opens after another in a variety of forms. STATION 1 A little above the village of Nipthwaite, the lake opens in full view. From the rock on the left of the road, you have a general view of the lake upward. This station is found by observing an ash-tree on the west side of the road and passing that, till you are in a line with the peninsula, The rock is then at your feet. On the opposite shore to the left and close by the water's edge, are some stripes of meadow and green ground, cut into small enclosures with some dark coloured houses under aged yews and tall pine trees. Two promontories project a great way into the lake. The broadest is finely terminated by steep rocks and crowned with wood. Both are insulated when the lake is high. Upwards over a fine sheet of water, the lake is again intersected by a far projecting promontory that swells into two eminences, and betwixt them the lake is again caught with some white houses at the feet of the mountains, and more to the right over another headland, you catch a fourth view of the lake, twisting to the northeast. Almost opposite to this, stands a house on the crown of a rock, covered with ancient trees, that has a most romantic appearance. The noble scenery increases as you ride along the banks. In some places, bold rocks, lately covered with woods, concealed the lake entirely, and when the wind blew, the beating of surges were heard just under you. In other places, abrupt openings show the lake anew, and when calm, its limpid surface, Shining like a crystal mirror, reflecting the azure sky, or chequered with dappled clouds, the vaulted canopy of heaven in the finest mixture of nature's clear, obscure on the western side, the shore is more variegated with small enclosures, scattered cots and groves, and meadows grace the banks. The road continues along the eastern banks of the lake, here bare there sweetly fringed with a few tall trees the small remains of its ancient woods that lately clothed the whole station 2 when you are opposite to the peninsula last described take in at a gate on the left hand and from the rocky eminence you have a general view of the lake both ways to the south a sweet bay is formed between the horns of two peninsulas and beyond that a fine sheet of water appears terminated by the promontories which form the straits through which the lake has its outlet from that the coast is beautifully diversified by a number of green eminences crowned with wood and interspersed among them sequestered cottages half concealed by tall yew trees and above them a wave of rocky spiral mountains dressed in brown vegetation form most romantic scenes between this and a wooded eminence a green hill, cut into enclosures to the very top, in some parts patched with rock and little groves, has a beautiful appearance, contrasted with the barren scenes on one hand, and the deep shade of a waving wood on the other. At the foot of this cultivated tract, and on the margin of the lake, a few white houses, partly concealed in a grove of yews, look like enchanted seats on a fairy ground. Behind these, a barren bleak mountain frowns in sullen majesty, and down his furrowed side, the black beck of Torva rolls with mighty noise. Just at your feet lies the oblong rocky isle of Peel, and near it, the dark points of half-drowned rocks just show themselves by turns. Here is the finest picture of the lake, and when it is smooth, the whole is seen reflected on the shining surface of the watery mirror. On the western side, the coast is steep rocks. The eastern side is much embayed. The high end of the lake is here in view, yet it seems to wind both ways behind the opposite promontories. The range of naked rocks, that cross the head of the lake, appear now awful from their sable hue, and behind them, the immense mass of cove, rydal head, and many nameless mountains, have a most stupendous appearance, and inaccessible height. A succession of pretty bays opens to the traveller as he advances. The banks become more wooded, and more cultivation appears. On the western margin stands the Lady of the Lake, Coniston Hall, and above it, the village of the same name. It has only changed masters twice since the Conquest, and has belonged to the family of Fleming most of the time. STATION 3 The next grand view is in the boat, and in the centre of the lake, opposite to Coniston Hall. Looking towards the mountains, the lake spreads itself into a noble expanse of transparent water, and bursts into a bay on each side, bordered with verdant meadows, and enclosed with grounds rising in a various and exceeding bold manner. The objects are diversified in the simple and natural order, and contrasted by the fine transition of rural elegance and pastoral beauty cultivation and pasturage waving woods and sloping enclosures adorned by nature and improved by art under the bold sides of stupendous mountains whose airy summits the turned-up eye cannot now reach and deny all access to the human kind following the line of shore from coniston hall to the upper end of the lake The village of Coniston is in full view, and consists of seats, groups of houses, farms and cots, scattered in a picturesque manner over the cultivated slope. Some snow white, others grey, some stand forth on bold eminences at the head of green enclosures, backed with steep woods. Others are pitched on swift declivities, and seem hanging in the air. Some are on a level with the lake, all are neatly covered with blue slate, the produce of the mountains and beautified with ornamental yews hollies and tall pines or firs this is a charming scene when the morning sun gilds the whole with a variety of tints in the point of beauty and centre of perspective a white house under a hanging wood gives life to this picture yet is somewhat injured by a cot that stands on the foreground between it and the lake and interrupts the harmony of this sweet landscape the range of dark rugged rocks rise abruptly and deeply contrast the transparent surface of the lake and the stripe of verdure that skirts their feet the eastern shore is not less bold and embayed the slate brought down from the mountains is laid up here till put on board boats that transport it to the water foot it will be allowed that the views on this lake are beautiful and picturesque yet they please more than surprise the hills that immediately enclose the lake are ornamental but humble the mountains at the head of the lake are great noble and sublime without anything that is horrid or terrible they are bold and steep without the projecting precipice the overhanging rock or pendant cliff the hanging woods waving enclosures and airy sights are elegant beautiful and romantic and the whole may be seen with ease and pleasure in a fine morning there is not a more pleasant rural ride and the beauties of the lake are seen in a true light and fine order in the afternoon if sunshine much of the effect is lost by the change of light and such as visit it from the north lose all charms arising from the swell of the mountains by turning their backs upon them the char here are said to be the finest in england they are fished later than on windermere and continue longer in the spring. At Waterhead, the road to the east leads to Ambleside, 8 miles, to Hawkshead, 3. Ascend a steep hill, surrounded with wood, and have a back view of the lake. To the north is a most awful scene of mountains, heaped upon mountains, in every variety of horrid shape. Amongst them sweeps to the north, a deep winding chasm darkened by overhanging rocks that the eye cannot pierce nor the imagination fathom from which turn your face to the east and have a peep at some part of windermere the road soon divides the left leads to ambleside the right to hawkshead which stands under the mountain at the upper end of a narrow valley the church is seated on the front of an eminence that commands the valley which is floated with the lake of Esthwaite water, two miles in length, and half a mile in breadth, intersected by a peninsula from each side, jutting far into the lake, finely elevated, the crowns cultivated, and the borders fringed with trees and low wood. The lake is encompassed with a good carriage road, and over its outlet is a narrow stone bridge. On the banks are villages and scattered houses, sweetly situated under woods, and hanging-grounds, enamelled with delightful verdure and soft vegetation, heightened by the deep shade of the woods and the strong background of rocky mountains. At the head of a gentle slope and just elevation, a handsome modern house, Belmont, is charmingly situated, and commands a delightful view of the lake with all the environs. The fish here are perch, pike and eels, no trout or char frequent this lake, though it be connected with Windermere. From Hawkshead to Ambleside, five miles; to the horse ferry on Windermere, three miles. On horseback, this is the more eligible route, as it leads immediately to the centre of the lake, where all its beauties are seen to the greatest advantage. End of part three.